And it's a good afternoon again to all of our listeners here on Two Smoking Guns as we bring you another Sunday session on this beautiful uh, 8th of November 2020 where uh, it's been quite a monumental day uh, on many fronts uh, and I know we're going to get to it but uh, can't let a second go by before my co-partner and uh, the great man with all the buttons and all the things that make the world go around on this program. Roxy, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Scotty. <laughs> How are uh, you? What a momentous weekend it has hey? been. And uh, with promises of great things to come and new freedoms, it is going to be a a great week ahead as we start to experience the true meaning of more freedom. Freedom. And in freedom in the uh, US, there's some inkling of a result. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's been announced. Wow, I I, I must have missed that. Well, I've got a feeling, uh, and it would seem that we've got... The Trumpster in, in the Dumpster. The dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and it, Joe is just Biden time. Oh, look at you go, will you? Yeah. Well, I gotta, uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Uh, there's a, um, a particular person in my household who said that uh, Trump uh, really has had the complete year. Uh, in terms of in, in terms of really living the full COVID year, yeah. A he got COVID, he got it. Yeah. B he's lost his job, yes. And C he's lost his house, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes so I thought that was a brilliant observation, and uh, but he's you know, managed to maintain um, uh, his online purchasing of the uh, the orange tan. Oh man, oh man, <laughs> and you know, and now there's rumours that he's going to start up his own TV network. Oh, and, of course, uh, I've got a whole world, piece on that. You know, He's going to be. He's going to be the, uh, the 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 Oprah, the Oprah of Trumpsville. I don't think he's <laughs> going to go away quietly, Scotty. I don't. I got a feeling. You know. You know when they go up and say, Could, "Would you mind handing over the keys?" You, now I tell you what. I, I had them just, here. Just don't I have had, them on me. I had them here a minute ago. Just just let me let me go to Arkansas and see if I can find them where I left them at my last rally. <laughs> but. Um, Mate, that's uh, that's a big uh, that's a big shift, isn't it? And uh, he's screaming blue murder, um, and some say on reasonable grounds, and others say on completely unreasonable grounds. And somewhere in the middle is the truth. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got no idea. But um, well, I do. Yeah, well, then I'll uh, sit back and just listen. He claims that they're trying to steal the election. Steal? Rigging an election. What do you do? Just run away with the votes. But the fact is he's provided no credible evidence to show that anyone's trying to rig or steal an election. Right. His claim was, if you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. Well, in fact, there's no such thing as... Illegal votes. Um, I'm struggling with that. Different states allow mail-in votes to be counted days after the election, as long as they're postmarked before the election. That's nothing illegal about that. The mail ballot system has been operating in the US since Abraham Lincoln was a boy. (laughs) Abraham. (laughs) He claims they were up by nearly 700,000 votes in Pennsylvania, and he went, I won Pennsylvania by a lot. (laughs) The fact is... um, they're still counting the votes in Philadelphia. Right. So he, he's getting his lead whittled. Um, he claims that their numbers started miraculously getting whittled away. Well, in fact, there's no evidence to back that claim. There's no evidence that workers are deliberately changing votes. They're just taking a while to get through them. Right. Um, he, he, he claims there's got to be a lot of litigation because he has so much evidence and proof. Um He's offered no proof, only allegations, and the Republicans are running a mile from him at this point. Right. Um, 
Did you see his crazy press conference? He was yeah. off the charts. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. the TV yeah. networks who usually pander to him just yeah. turned away and went, no, we're not watching any more of this rubbish. Yeah. Um, so he's, um, he's basically saying male voting has destroyed our system. It's a corrupt system. <laughs> He's offered no evidence, and the fact that that system served America very well for the past 100 and 200 I, years seems to have escaped his attention. I thought part of his uh, complaint platform, if I may, uh, was on the basis that uh, they that somebody had taken a string uh, a string out of uh, out of his bow by him then suggesting there was even more fake news by the news uh, broadcasters in that they were showing. Um, Votes or or the lead that he had, and in his mind, he basically has come to the conclusion that because of the numbers that he saw and the percentages, that his voters went, we don't need to go and vote. Trump is going to win, so they all stayed home, and therefore they didn't go and vote. Fake news. It so, was the highest voter turnout and, in the history of an American election. And then he's turning around saying, well, you know, there's there's a whole lot of these people. Well, they, they were giving us numbers that weren't true. Wouldn't you think you'd be doing your own numbers anyway? 67% of hey? the population turned out to vote, which is the highest ever. So it's an indication of the mood of the meeting that it. they wanted him out. But it remains the fact that the US is poisonously divided, right? Yes. Um, true. And um, he's been a large part of causing that division. Um, and he's not going to go away. Um, he'll have a, he'll form some sort of populist agenda movement. He'll go on a TV show, as you said. Um, won't be the uh, won't be the apprentice because he's been fired, <laughs> and you can't go on and run the apprentice when you've been fired. Do you think he'll build a rocket and try he'll, and be you know take but get get to the moon before well, Elon Musk? It's, it's going to be a <laughs> long. It's going to be a long few months because he actually doesn't hand the keys over till January. Yeah, correct. So he's going to. It'll be bitching and moaning and complaining and bleating yep. uh, for the next little while. Um, but um, one of the commentators just said, uh, the US commentator said, as of his press conference, he said he looked like a bloated turtle on its back, flailing oh, away. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I can, I, I'm, I'm picturing that now. Oh, <laughs> With just good. these little little hands and little feet going everywhere. So but, it's, and it's going to be hard, uh, let's face it. I mean, I don't know if you know too much about American politics, but you know, a bit like our politics. The Republicans are going to own the Senate, so anything Biden tries to do by way of policy is probably going to get blocked. Yep. So stand by for four years of nothingness. Yep. Yep. But at least we've got uh, a non-lunatic in charge. And well, had a good backup plan, because if anything does happen to Sleepy Joe, yeah. there's a very impressive vice president. That, well, I was going to um, say, uh, I, my, I'm, I'm sort of getting a, a, a rumbling in my guts that says, uh, I reckon there's a fair chance she'll be calling a fair few of the shots. She's bright. Yeah. Um, and stand by because um, where Melania Naus was a very, very silent and uh, and uh, invisible first lady. Yep. Jill Biden, very smart lady. Yeah. Very smart lady. Yep. Academic, um, doctor. And um, yeah, she'll be ripper. She'll be yeah. Ripper. She'll make Joe look good. Well, he, you know, he, he did have to take his foot out of his mouth the other week, didn't he, when he actually referred to uh, Trumpy as George. <laughs> it's probably not the best way to sort of, you know, uh, get into the twilight period of your campaign when you, yes. when you call your opposition a previous leader and his father. 
Uh, anyway. But Milani will go back to her lifestyle uh, of um, rich and richness and but, handbags. Uh, do, you, and do you remember when I shared with you something about Trumpy? And it wasn't very long ago. Um, you know, I think I, I read it or I saw it and then translated it back where he said, I had a great life before I was president. Yeah. I didn't ask to be president. You people made me president. Um, I, I, I could go back. I, I'm... I'm wealthy. I'm very wealthy. <laughs> well, watch well, mate. what's happening now because <laughs> all of the banks who he owes money to, yeah, they're going to come knocking. Have suspended that while he was president because yeah. it's not savoury. Yeah, he owes four hundred million. They're coming knocking now. Yeah, they're going to go. Yeah, yeah. Can, uh, can we come in? Yeah, he. Where's our money? He did address that about two weeks ago, and he said, "In in relation to the uh, uh, the net worth of assets that I've got, the four hundred million is just a drop in the ocean." <laughs> well, you better better go and find that drop. Well, I tell you what, you better put some for sale signs up and some casinos and golf courses, mate, because they're coming now. <laughs> so I'm uh, with you. The Karma Bus yep. is about to back over. Him. Yeah, uh, it's uh, he's not a, he's not a great loser, is he? Now I don't know what. Ladder or Black Cat or anything the TAB crossed boy, yesterday. Boy, oh boy of all days. But boy, oh boy. I mean... Boy, oh boy. Have we the had, tab crash. Carnival with no people, and then you get the last day, stakes day, and at 11 o'clock, the things go kaboom. Kaboom. And then um, no TAB punting. And you'll share the rest of the story. It's been with called us. the worst meltdown in Australian betting history, oh called, causing goodness. chaos, leading to rescheduled races and a delay to the McKinnon Stakes, which is the marquee stakes. Yep. Tabcorp's entire betting network crashed just after 11 on one of racing's biggest days, still offline at 10.30 last night. Yeah, good. Predicted a hundred million dollars in lost betting turnover, which yep. which is what it is. But um, a lot of that uh, ends up back into the racing industry. Not a lot of it; some of it does. So that's a, that's, it was something that's like seven to ten mil. Ten though. mil. But I mean, that's that's not a drop in the ocean when it goes back to the industry. Not though, insignificant in terms no, of you know a jockey fund or all the other bits that they support. I mean, you're relying you're pin, you're putting a big circle around the the carnival. And certainly, you know, every one of the days of the carnival, yes. the, Der- the Derby, the Cup, the Oaks, and then yeah. uh, Stakes Day. But how embarrassing for them. It's yeah. set in a statement on the issue, uh, understood to have been caused by a major power disruption at one of the external data centres which houses Tabcorp's servers. So, uh, no backup, clearly. You know, uh, I didn't have the floppy disk backup, Scotty. A possum. Uh, a possum got in. Possum got in. <laughs> and crashed the I tell you what, in, in silver lining. I tell you what. Um, it saved me a bit of money. Well, well I was going to... Well, it, it didn't me, thing, so... things I was going to put my hard-earned on uh, yeah. turned out to not uh, present. Although Arcadia, Arcadia Queen did win in a very nice swing. Oh, no, that was a super run. Hey, um, if you think about those things... Um, Think about a job where what's the worst phone call you think you could receive in, in terms of uh, in terms of your job. So you're the head technician for TAB and responsible for all online punting. And you're, at, you're just out walking your dog at ten forty-five a.m. Yeah. Um, hello, uh, we've Houston. 
we have a problem. His name's David Attenborough, oh, funnily enough. Is it uh, really? He's oh, CEO. Stop it. <laughs> Which is a coincidence. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a bit like, uh, you know, the, the, the technician at the MCG that says, um, uh, Bill, when we press the button for the siren... Nothing's coming out. <laughs> could you just pop down to the MCG and see if you could fix that? Yeah. <laughs> Melbourne Racing Club Chairman Mike Simons labelled it a Group 1 embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> group 1 embarrassment. Oh, he's a nice poetic licence. Yeah, very good. Very so good. Not, not a good day for the team. We've got a ton of stuff today. We're not, uh, not going to let the cat out of the bag. We're just going to roll it out. And uh, you've shared some interesting things with me that I'm looking forward to, and I've got uh, I've got some little uh, you know, little uh, tidbits that uh, I'm going to throw out for the for the birds, and um, we'll see uh, we'll just see how the rest of the afternoon falls out for the next next couple of hours. You've got a great theme for us today in terms of your music, Mister Maestro. Well, Could I, you share well, that with us? I was uh, I was in the company of people yesterday, which is now legal, which oh, is good. Yes, and uh, I said. To to them, um, apropos of my song theme, which I do on a weekly basis on this show, I Correct. said, um, what should the song theme be? And a good friend of mine, Bruce, said to me, um, how many days of double zero, double donuts have we had? Double donuts. And I said, nine. Yeah. And he suggested that that should be my song theme for wow. the day. So I thank him for that. So where do you start? When I mean, to me, you know, and you should, you did share that with me before we came to air because we, we do like to do at least 35 seconds of preparation before we, we trot this garbage out. Um, <laughs> but you did share with me what the theme was going to be. And I then sort of sat down in my little booth here in, in the red booth and I was thinking... I can't even think of a song that's got the word nine in it, well, but I know Rutsy's going to have half well, a dozen up Yeah, I sleep. do have actually All half I could think dozen. of was 99 Luftballoons. That's on the list. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> I thought because it had a double nine, yeah. it might not make it. No, 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 no. That's, oh, that's, there that's you allowed go. because well, well. Uh, it's, it proved to be a challenging task. Oh, I was going to say. Um, but I got there in the end. Is there a song called The Whole Nine Yards? No, there isn't. Oh. Now, I've looked, I've looked, I've been Googling. But I've got a couple for you, so Very that'll good. be fun. You know where that saying comes from? We've done this before. Yeah, the remember? whole nine yards. Yeah, do you remember? It's a beauty. That's oh, why I raise it. I just can't remember. So it's the a mili- it's a that. military term, right? So you know when when you say to someone, oh, "I know you, you went the whole nine yards," it actually related to uh, the magazine of bullets. That were in a gun. Oh, that's right. Um, and oh, no, and I, uh, memory serve. Yeah, it's not that or sh- or out of a, a a plane with you know that shoots from the plane. But it was the fact that somebody or no, he went, he went the whole nine yards. He got rid of the entire magazine, <laughs> and uh, and that's where the saying comes from. And I love that. So I just, uh, I, it's one of those ones that stuck with me. We that have, we've we done. Have, we have done origins before. Yeah, we have. We yeah, like I don't origins. remember any of them other than that one. No, well, <laughs> yeah, memory's working. No, just no. It was a beauty. So anyway, over to you. Well, to, I wanted to uh, stay on the theme of uh, world leaders because it's been a pretty monumentous historic yeah. uh, weekend with regard to that. But I wanted to flip over to my good mate in Moscow. Ah, is that Vladimir? Vladimir Putin. The Putin. Now, um, Vladimir. Yes. Uh, he's one of my favourite characters. He's one of my favourite dictators. Has he killed anybody this week? No, he's. Oh. Um, <laughs> but he's expected. Allegedly. Well, he might have, but. <laughs> He's expected to gain lifelong immunity from prosecution. Oh, yes. For any alleged crimes committed before, during, and after his time in office under proposed law to be discussed by Russia's rubber stamping parliament. So he's basically saying, 
I can go out and do anything I bloody like, and I'm immune from prosecution. Well, now, that's that's really good dictator action right there, isn't it? That's uh, uh, I, I can make up the rules, and then I can break them, yep. because then I'm... The, do you know the only other person on the planet that would be equal to him? It's the Queen. She can't be sued for anything. She could go. She yes, could, she could immunity. go. She could go and cause the biggest disaster known to man. And I'm not even going to suggest what that may or may not be. She can do that. She hasn't got a passport. She doesn't have number plates on her car, and she can't be touched until someone's got a sticker in a pine box. Wow. <laughs> well, um, Vladimir Putin so is he, on the way to this. He's um, yep. He's 68, Vladimir. Is he? And um, he's also pushing through legislation that would allow him to be a senator for life when he steps down as president. Just to get coin? Well, (laughs) just so he can control the things from behind the scenes, basically. Forever? Yeah, on New Year's Eve, he celebrates 21 years in power. Gee whiz. Which is a fairly long time. Yeah, it's a good go. Um, And uh, uh, he can remain in the Kremlin as the Russian leader until 2036. That's it. So he's got another 16 years. Yep. He'll be 83. Yep. Uh, And then um, he's going to step down and be a senator. And then he is under Russian law. uh, He can't be charged for any crimes committed. So um, this is amazing stuff, you know, when you think about it, (laughs) the ramifications of that. He can pretty much... He can do fraud, he can, can do commit murder, he yep. can knock off his opponents, he can do anything Money he likes. Money laundering. He can do anything he likes. Uh, quite amazing. <laughs> quite amazing. Anyway, um, he uh, not not surprisingly, uh, you, might be surprised, you might be surprised to know that Mr Putin's trust ratings have fell to near historic lows this uh, year. <laughs> yeah, well... Because of, mainly because of public anger over the handling of coronavirus. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah... It's uh, Russians have paid about um, two million rubles, which thirty six thousand dollars in fines for offensive comments directed at uh, Vladimir, since right. the law banning the online disrespect for officials came into force oh, last year. Of course it did. <laughs> oh, he's a genius, uh, he's this bloke. Amazing, hey? this guy. He's got it all going on. So anyway, I just thought I'd uh, I'd, I'd mention that in passing. Yeah. Because um, you've just got you've got rid of one. Crazy guy, and there's still one. There's still one over there. Yeah, he he sort of, uh, but he sort of keeps to himself more so than the other one. There's a, there's, um, but but there's, all the Russians, right? That's where all the hacking organisations emanate from. Yeah, there that's in true. China. So yeah. he might be quiet, but he's got an invisible web. When when you think about it, it would be a heck of a lunch, wouldn't it, if you were. <laughs> If you were there with, I'd, I w- would like to have had uh, Osama bin Laden, um, uh, Trumpy, uh, Rocket Man, uh, the Vladster. <laughs> who else? Who else could we conjure up to you'd have? Want, you'd want to enjoy lunch. your lunch, mate, because out of that, like you're not leaving. Uh, and then, and then, uh, just for balance, uh, Jacinda Ahern, Bow <laughs> uh, Mad, Mad Hair Boris. Oh yeah, Boris. Uh, Boris got to be there. Uh, all, all wearing those crazy Indonesian uh, 
tunics uh, that they wear when they go to Choggam, and, world leaders and, things. And just for complete and absolute balance, the Pope. <laughs> um, um, and then, um, yeah, now we've got Kim Kim Jong. So, yeah, maybe that'd be a good lunch. That'd be a good lunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think they'd like a charcuterie board? <laughs> <laughs> or they might want something a bit fancier. <laughs> oh, I don't know, mate. You've got me Can there. Can you I'm imagine? To, and, and, then, and then give them a topic that is completely unrelated to all of them, right? <laughs> do, you, do you remember you remember that uh, remember that show used to be on TV and it was uh, Jeffrey Robertson? Hypothetical. Uh, oh, I love that show. Yes. And you get a whole bunch of people on and go, right, here's the theme, and they then all have their opinion about something, and then he goes and sort of throws a curveball through the story. All of a sudden, it sort of flips on its head, and they've then got to come back and keep talking about it. But oh, I'd love to see them all talk. You know, get, get them to describe cricket. <laughs> or or what what are the benefits of owning an emu <laughs> just something that's completely off the wall and just see how they go eh? Very oh, good. anyway right. there we go um we'll take a quick break good and after the break your song oh. on, the one that you correctly guess in our ah. song theme of of nine luft luft <laughs> coming up soon right do you know a local hero Nominations for the City of Kingston's Australia Day Awards are now open. You can nominate an individual or a community group if they've made a noteworthy contribution to the City of Kingston. Recognise their outstanding service and achievements by nominating them for an award. It's quick and easy to nominate. Just head to kingston.vic.gov.au forward slash Australia Day. Nominations close 5pm Monday the 9th of November. Southern FM sponsor. When your future feels uncertain, it's time to ask for help. Bendigo Bank has been helping our customers through tough times for over 160 years. If you're a Bendigo Bank customer, talk to us about ways we can help you through this one. We have financial assistance packages available, so don't wait. Visit our website or contact your local Bendigo Bank branch. Together, we'll see you through to better times. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Southern FM sponsor. Southern FM is celebrating 30 years on air. Here's another highlight. Southern FM is 30 this year. And not only that, but we had some challenges along the way because I remember as soon as we, as I I sort of was, had my training wheels, I was told we had to change systems. So there was a whole new software software? system that we had Mm -hmm. to learn and start from scratch. Well, I remember when it began, I, I remember going to the then studio at what is I refer to as the old Moravan Town Hall, you know, that Kingston Administrative Centre on the, the corner of South Road and Nepean Highway, and then later to Mentone in Belcombe Road. So it's had a bit of a journey. It's that there would be hundreds, if not thousands, of people who've presented programs over the years and done a terrific job. The cultural contribution it's made as a station has been fantastic. The news, the sport. You know, all the coverage they've done of local sport and everything. And it's a credit to it that um, 30 years on, it's still thriving. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And the good thing is that there's a lot of information which comes out which is not available in the mainstream media. And I should also say, if anyone wants to become a member, you can become a member of the radio station. You can go to southernfm.com.au to figure out how to do that. There's a membership tab 
that you can log yeah. on to and be, sign up to be a member and get a little bit more involved in community radio. Listen to all our highlights. Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30. Hi, my name is Christine Anu. I'm an Australian singer, actress. One of my tips that I'd give for lung health that I use for myself would be any breathing exercises, all of the breathing exercises, not just any but all of them, from meditation to yoga to Pilates, all of the things that require you to breathe with every movement to then go on and produce your best quality of work. For more lung health tips, visit justonebreath.com.au. The 14th of November is Southern FM's 30th anniversary. Can you believe it? Celebrate our highlights. Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30. Das sowas von sowas kann. 
Lassenfliegen. Uh, I used to try and sing that song in German. Have we ever had a translation of it? Yes. Well, she had it. She did an English version of it. Did she? Yes, she did. Right. But I far prefer the German version. Sounds, sounds which nicer. Is in her native tongue, because she yes. was a German. Yes. Did you know that Nina isn't her real name, Scotty? Uh, no. That has escaped my... Her um, real name... Just is for fun facts on Bra- Sunday school day. No, it's, it's Gabrielle <laughs> Suzanne Kerner. Oh. And she got Nina as a, as a little girl when she was on holiday in Mallorca in Spain. Nina means little girl in ah. Spanish. So a lot of people thought she was Spanish, but no. Right. So she's uh, German lady. So she's stuck with Nina. 1983, that song came is out. And right? it still sounds fresh as a daisy. Yeah, it goes all right, doesn't it? It goes all right, the 99 yeah. Luftballons. 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 Speaking of when I was a young man, um, or younger man. Yeah, um, not so long ago. And, and apropos <laughs> of the fact that, um, you know, if you look at the paper today, yes. um, there's less about elections and yeah. COVID, and there's a lot about travel. Because yeah. people are starting lots of, lots to ads. turn their attention to yep. what's it going to be like when yep. the 25k thing goes, when the ring of steel is removed and we're allowed to move around the state and potentially interstate in a few more weeks' time. So yep. it brought to mind um, road trips of, of, of yesteryear. And because I think I'll do a few, I think I'll do a few weekends away. Yep. Um, get to those areas. We've talked along about getting to areas where they were bushfire ravaged earlier in the year, pre-COVID, getting around, helping them out, laying some money down. Are we going to have to do OBs? Will, will, I, will you be dialing in from remote regions? We'll have to figure the logistics <laughs> out. Because <laughs> we've got a little thing called a program on a Sunday, which might get in the way. We'll, we'll, have, to, <laughs> we'll have to talk to the powers of Yeah, we'll sort it out. All of that. But it was called to mind uh, motel homes, motel rooms, you know. I the old actually, motel room. Yeah, I was actually talking to a mate of mine uh, the other day who's going to buy a caravan. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, it's actually quite fascinating, caravans, because um, there's no such thing as a second-hand caravan. The market for second-hand caravans is Huge. minuscule. Oh, is it? Most of them oh, are new and right. bespoke. Are they? And he started to investigate it, and now he's, he's been three weeks, and he's so confused. Because where do you want the door on the side? Do you want the door on the rear? Has do you he got want the toilet? Has he got seventy five grand? Because I reckon that's what it's going to well, cost. Well, he figured him. out his changeover to hundred because the one he likes, <laughs> the one he likes, <laughs> is seventy five. But he has to change his car over to. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. Ouch. I don't know how he's going to go with it. But uh, I'm not a I'm not a caravaner. I, I I like the concept of a caravan because you know you can tow it and leave it and. Still have your car and move around. So you, get away. You, but but in between, I reckon you'd be a a, a, a Winnebago man. No, the problem with the Winnebago, Scotty, is <laughs> you drive to the camping site, and then you, when you want to drop into town for a couple of cheekies, you have to take the whole bloody car with you. Well, normally, no, I've seen people that actually tow a little car on the back of the, oh. on the back of the big cars. Well, well, that's very advanced. <laughs> you got to have a spare no, car. I'm, I'm more a motel guy, right? 
Is this shoving the tray through the hole in the yeah, on the outside? Yeah, I and just, a, just a little knock on the. I just wanted to just share a couple of things that I like about motels. Go right? on. Um, they were introduced mid-century, so post-war. <laughs> yep. And uh, the other thing I like about motels, well, there's several things I like, but one is because it's a portmanteau. <laughs> it is. Uh, which is yes, what we like. indeed. It's a motor hotel, motel. Correct. And um, I just think the fact that you can drive straight up to your front door. <laughs> Literally. In the gravel. In Literally. the gravel. You know, and everyone else that drives late wakes you up because they're driving, <laughs> you know, waking them up. Yeah. The breakfast magically appears through a hatch. Yes. And my favourite when I was a child was you used to get the um, the breakfast cereal, oh. but you got the uh, the variety the, pack. The variety pack. Kellogg's yep. variety pack. Yep. Six different varieties. And Dad used to have the Sultana brand. Oh, did he? And Just keep things moving? Yes. <laughs> mum, mum would have had the rice bubbles and left us kids to fight over the- Cornflakes, the, the, wheat mix, the cocoa, cocoa pops. pops, fruit loops. Fruit Loop. I don't know, they might have Fruit Loops. Yeah. All the kids fought over the sugary stuff. Yeah, right. The winner went to the Cocoa Pops. Yeah, yes. yeah. Good luck. But they actually, some of the hotels we stayed in, because we used to whiz up to um, uh, Burley Heads. Yeah, right. We'd stay around places like Coonabara Brand. Yep. Around there. Nice. Um, and you could get a cooked brekkie. Ah, the, the people that ran really? the motel, they could do your eggs and bacon ah. and stuff, and that slid in the slot oh. the front behind, beside the front of the door. Is that before buffets came in? Yes, <laughs> way before buffets. Um, so that was good fun. And um, also like the, um, the little packet soaps that you oh, get, yes. you know, all those things. Yep. The, um, the frosted glass windows above the door, because um, they refract the light from headlights of people that come in. Yeah. Um, the little thin towels found out on the bed. Oh, that yeah, that's bed. right. Yes, yeah, that yes no thicker than a handkerchief. Yeah, this is <laughs> the towels and the the hygienically sealed for your protection sash over the corona of the toilet seat. Oh, the corona yes, toilet seat. Remember they used yes, that little sash? Yes. You know? your, your bowl has been cleaned. Yes, right. <laughs> what about the uh, orange or green carpet? Yeah. <laughs> the, or, the or the curtains. Or the curtains. The curtains were shockers. <laughs> but there was always that guy behind the um, the counter multitasking, you know. Oh, he'd give yeah. you your room key. Yeah. He'd um, he'd take your post. He'd um, he could cook the barbie, he'd cook brekkie. Yeah. He'd be running in and out, left, right and centre, yeah. getting you ice, yeah. getting you whatever you need. come and adjust the... Can I get extra towels? Oh, yes, I'll get more towels. He'd, he'd adjust the aerial and the TV and for you. Fix up the rabbit <laughs> the ears. The rabbit ears. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. So uh, loved it. I'd, I'm keen to get out to some motels, and, I, and there was a spread in the paper. There looks to be some good ones, and they're all retro ones. So there these was one about a month ago too that were doing yeah. this. So they've tried it out again. Good. So they've well, been sort of share some with us. Well, there's one called La Costa on the Gold Coast. Oh, um, very fancy. Which is uh, which is near the Pink Poodle in Surface Ah, Paradise. yes, I know so the Pink Poodle. Is. That. Yes, indeed. That. Yep. There's the Oriana in Orange. Um, they've got uh, they've got the crazy paving around the pool. They've got flamingo oh, pink chairs, tremendous. an outdoor tiki bar, a t- tiki bar. It's <laughs> yes, very Miami sort of vibe going on there. Is that as close to, to a pool bar as you used to get back then? Because it was actually close to the pool, but not in it. Um, so um, there's one called there's one in Hobart called the Riverfront Motel um, and Villas um, yep. near near Mona actually they are ah, they're quite good yep um, the Whale Motor Inn in Naruma 
The whale. Yeah, the whale. And some of these names of the motor inns are great because yep. they don't flirt around with their names. Yep. Uh, so that's a good one. The Indian Ocean Hotel at Scarborough. Um, yeah, across the, west. The Brunswick at Brunswick Heads. Brunswick it's Heads. That's a nice area. Yeah, that there. was on TV last night on some program, Very Brunswick nice. Heads. I remember going there once and getting an absolute um, shipload of uh, prawns. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it seemed to be a big prawn area back in the day. Very nice. Very nice. So there's a few there that are worth checking out. Yep. And the other thing I used to love when I went on holidays um, was you'd have your dinner yep. and then on the way home, if you were well behaved, you'd stop at the gelati store or the ice cream shop. Oh, uh, yes. Because I love gelati. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a big gelati. I'm not oh, a big yeah. ice cream man. Full stop. But I mean, big fan of gelati. Are you? Burley Heads. They used to have seven different varieties. Right. If you go to one now, there's about thirty nine different yep. varieties. No, I can well imagine. There's a lovely article in the paper about a young lady who owns a, a gelati shop. Yes. So she's reopening. She's going to open three stores in the CBD and, and Melbourne. That's gutsy. Uh, which is a gutsy move. Yeah. Um, given what's going on. Yeah. So she's uh, setting up a new um, gelati set of stores. But I do like the headline. The reason I mentioned the article is I love sub-editors when they're clever. Yes. And this one just reads, gelati, empress, won't be licked. And that's just that's just lovely. Apropos of nothing. So uh, I'm looking forward to holidays. I'm looking forward to gelati. I'm looking forward to beaches. I'm looking forward to getting out and about supporting the locals. And most of all, I'm just looking to... Looking forward to getting out of my house and doing something. Are you a are you a fan or an advocate of um, you know the the uh, the fish and chips down at the beach? I don't like it because there's seagulls get involved in that activity, but I, I do like fish and chips. Do you know what I? I couldn't think of anything worse. Well, sand gets in your flake, well, you, and you, then the you, seagulls you, hover you, over you so get seagulls, shit on you. You, you get the you get the flies. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I just, you know, people go, oh, yeah, grab I'm some fish and chips and we'll get it in the beach. It's like... Not a fan of uh, food at the beach. No. Uh, uh, do you know what? I'm with you there. That, I'm, that's I'm, what I'm it is. More than I'm happy, very really more than happy with an esky with cold ice and a couple of well, refreshments in it, but... It's not a food destination. For no, me. because as you say, as soon as that you know you're there with your ham, cheese, tomato, and lettuce sandwich, and all of a sudden half of the Sahara Desert gets blown <laughs> into your sandwich, and then you eat it, and your, your teeth crunch and just about break. Uh, no, I'm with you. No, I'm more Leave of the... the um, just eat before you go or, or eat when you get home. Or, or adjourn to the local or kiosk. Or just go to, the, go to the pub. You'll go to the pub. <laughs> nice day to go to the pub. Yeah, and no, I'm with you. No, you hit on the head. Other than maybe a packet of chips just to keep everybody quiet, yeah. uh, food should not be consumed on the beach. I live near a beach, as you know. I do. And uh, it's fascinating to watch on a nice day like today. Yes. When the families bustle out. Cup day was manic down there. Was it? Couldn't move because of the weather yes but the the food they bring they bring like enough equipment and food to camp for a week but they, but they bring of. marquees or yeah. almost marquees now yeah. remember last summer i went down yeah there was this thing that looked it looked like the taj mahal <laughs> down at, you know i was there with my little you know my little dome and uh, and my girls and just have a morning in the there's this, you know, got the music going, they've got big burly blokes standing around. Club Tropicana. And, and it, it was about 40 square metres, this thing. It was just, they had it all going. They had the big chairs and the wine going. It's like, 
Seriously? Yeah. Wow. So I just take a towel and my sun. Yeah, that, and mate, that's and it. Some sunscreen that's and, it. and maybe a book to read. That's it. That's all I need. Yep. I don't, spot need on. A, I don't even need a dome. No, we'll take the dome just in case things get a bit warm. But um, well, you're allowed to take an umbrella to the beach. Yeah. But didn't they ban them at some stage because they were sort of getting blown out of the ground and then stabbing people? I don't know that did, they did that, did they? And and wasn't that the reason why umbrellas were banned at the at the footy? Is that oh, they that sort vi- of that was visibility. Was it visibility? Was yeah. it? it wasn't weaponry. Not weaponry, it was visibility. But I I mean if you ever, pretty dangerous things. If you ever course. recall seeing an umbrella take off on a windy day down the beach and she's running end over end. Well it's a very what, similar concept to the kite surf. Uh, well, I was gonna say, yeah, but one of those ends is very similar to the concept of jousting. <laughs> <laughs> hey honey, I've got this balloon, it's uh, this umbrella, it's not ours. It, <laughs> And it's guilt me. Because <laughs> that's dangerous oh, stuff yeah. Oh, yeah. when they take off. That's, that's um, a big surface area to I'm not sure up. an umbrella's ever killed anyone. I'd have to look up I that fun know. fact. But, um, well, I, but I know that uh, I have heard of uh, also people coming to their demise um, on the ski fields when someone's out of control and the, oh, the front tip yeah. of a ski then ends up in somebody who's actually fallen in front of them. So think about that nah, concept. Think about Nasty. Well, anyway, we'll, um, we'll take a break and th- give that some thought. Oh, but um, just right. to wrap, just to wrap that up. If you've been hit by an umbrella, give us a call. Give us a call. <laughs> Everything in my life turns to crap. I can't sleep. I wish it all just stop. Sometimes I have these freakouts. It stops me from doing stuff, and I just need to get the hell away. Well, I finally got my boyfriend to see a doctor. She said he had anxiety. The doctor helped me deal with things. You can help someone find a way back from anxiety and depression at youthbeyondblue.com or phone 1300 224636. Southern FM is celebrating 30 years on air. Here's another highlight. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Graham Johnston, and I'm the host of Friday Magazine, which, as you can deduce from the name, is a show broadcast every Friday for two hours from 9am on Southern FM. As a writer, over the years I've been associated with some very talented people, none more so than musician and composer Pete Sullivan, long-time host of Piano Talk on Southern FM. Pete and I have collaborated on several projects and it was Pete who suggested I might be interested in hosting a show on Southern FM based on my experiences as a journalist. He put me in touch with Peter Tollich, the then program manager, who was enthusiastic about the idea and things moved rapidly from there. I grew up in newspapers. Uh, My father and my grandfather were journalists and I learnt the craft in the country, in Gippsland. When we moved to Melbourne, I worked for a business and a suburban newspaper, and then I joined The Sun, and what is now known as The Herald Sun. I kid you not, in those days, you walked into the Chief of Staff's office on the third floor and 44 Flinders Street, you were assailed by this machine-gun-like staccato of 35 reporters pounding away at bashed-up old Remington typewriters. So that's where I began. Southern FM is certainly the voice of the Bayside and more. Listen to all our highlights. Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30. You made me cry. Hey, Jude here. Clearly, retro is cool. I know something about love. 
So let's take a trip through some fab retro music. We'll revisit the soundtrack of our lives. <laughs> Stay a while with me, Judith. Mondays 11am here on 88.3 Southern FM. Be there or be square. Over bridge of sights To rest my eyes in shades of green Southern FM's 30th anniversary is this month. Can you believe it? Celebrate our highlights. Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30.
think you know what that one was. Oh, Tony. mate, I think I do. Not only have you found a nine, you found three of them. <laughs> three nines, and that's all. Just for good measure. Well, I was standing there trying to think about that. I'm going, oh, this yeah. there, and uh, yes, 1999. But right. uh, he was a he's a genius, wasn't he? He was. Hey, Scotty, before yes. the break, yes. we were talking about I wonder if uh, anyone had ever been impaled by a umbrella and we found one <laughs> in the who is this unfortunate this person? was a couple of years ago really um, unfortunately um, a beach umbrella a 55 year old woman died after a windblown beach umbrella hit her in the chest with about 800 pounds of force gee whiz the freak accident happened so quickly that the woman's companion didn't even see the umbrella hit her Right. Um, she was gasping for breath, unable to speak, and um, taken to hospital, but sadly, passed. Really? This marks the first recorded death by an airborne beach umbrella. Well, so. then, uh, I, I, then my theory is lots of other people must have been injured. Well, because there, I'm there sure was there was a period of time of, where... Of, of one man lost his eye after a windblown beach umbrella hit him in the face. Oh, stop that. That would hurt. That, that would hurt. hurt. Yep. Um... And, um, yes. Yeah, so you uh, have to be careful bending over to pick up your picnic, picnic basket, too, wouldn't you, on a windy day? <laughs> yes. yes. Injured the left ventricle of the woman's heart. Oh, stop oh, it. That, that's got to hurt. So, yeah, no, I was quite sure there was there was something, and whether it's been turned over or, or whatever, because I have seen umbrellas down the beach. So I, I don't think I'm making it up, but I'm sure there was a period of time, or maybe it was the way that you had to fasten your umbrella. You had to have a sort of a bag of sand down the bottom of it or something. That, because when they take off, man, do they go. Well, there you go. So we that's the first recorded death. All right. Um, so that is a bizarre way to go. Yeah. Um, uh, more bizarre, for instance, than the thousand people that have died because of contact with powered lawnmowers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, oh, tell you they've, what, they've cost a few people their time. I was going to say, I am back in the day. Yeah, oh. um, have you got all yours? Yeah, I've got all mine. But, oh. um, I used to see blokes doing the lawn in their thongs. thongs. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen anything more stupid in your life? I mean, um, I, I, I've. But I've got a theory about this. There is no way you should get an injury from using uh, any sort of power tool unless it's faulty and it, and the thing just goes nuts. No, not if you're being careful. Well, that's what I mean, you know. In fact, uh, I, I just about um, – I must have had a brain fade myself the other week because I, I had the whippersnipper going. It's a true story. And um, – I, it, well, I've got a tree in the back garden that drops these big long leaves, and the and what happens is the whippersnipper sort of gets hold of them, and they sort of wrap around the head of the whippersnipper, and it sort of clogs it up a bit. So anyway, the uh, it, it actually got quite clogged up, and the thing was just sort of spinning a bit slowly. So um, I actually managed to pull one of the leaves out um, while the whippersnipper was still going. Not good, man. Thinking, uh, forgetting that the fact that once I pulled the le- uh, leaves out, it would actually go faster. And um, it did actually sort of clip a couple of fingers. Uh, I still do have them, yeah, but uh, that, 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 I, that, they sting, but they don't. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those you know unless you unless you're barbed wire. Um, yeah, so I've uh, I'll just remember, kitties, um, always turn off machinery, wear safety glasses and gloves. <laughs> don't but, do what I do. Well, do as I in say. Fact, it, it, in fact, it went even a bit further, and I, I must I almost got the yips into myself because. These stupid leaves that I've got also get caught in my lawnmower. So they actually then get caught up around the the, the uh, blade 
plate underneath the mower. Yeah. But rest assured... Do you I, turn your lawnmower yes, off before yeah, you re- try and get it Roxy, out? rest assured I had my lawnmower turned off. But I, and I sort of had it tilted up against the house, so it's sitting at about 45 degrees. But even the thought of putting your hand in underneath your lawnmower, even though it's not going and you've got everything turned off so it can't possibly... There's a moment. Is, <laughs> it, it's, it messes with your head. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> anyway, kiddies, always turn machinery off and uh, because uh, it's very easy to lose some fingers or toes and, and always wear steel cap. You can buy steel cap runners so they don't even have to look like boots, but just make sure you get your tootsies protected and um, and be safe around a Equipment. Correct. Well, <laughs> community service announcement. <laughs> oh, uh, very good. Hey, um, I've got a bit of news for you. Yes. Um, about um, this is a little story about monkeys being rev heads. Ooh. So okay. This is a story about monkeys in a Finnish zoo because we were talking about the great racing the other day, and I yes. spotted this article because I know you were a rev head, but apparently monkeys are too. They've shown a significant preference for traffic sounds instead of jungle noises, researchers have found. Right. Researchers installed a tunnel fitted with sensors in the monkey's enclosure at Helsinki Zoo, letting the primates choose to listen to rain, traffic, zen sounds or dance music. Is that right? <laughs> dance monkey, dance monkey. <laughs> the recording of vehicles rumbling past was the top choice for the monkeys, who sometimes slept or groomed themselves and each other inside the sound tunnel and they did not search for any of the other sounds. The zoo's research coordinator, Kersey Pinonen, (laughs) said she believed the road sounds sounded similar to some of the monkeys' natural communication vocalisations. So there you go. Right. Just as well I didn't choose the dance music. So monkeys are now redheads. Correct. Okay. Um, Can I use that as a segue into a little uh, story for you? Yes. That um, monkeys actually might be edible meat. Would you like to hear this story? Um, so hang on to your hat. It's it, it's a bit uh, it's a bit juicy. Mm-hmm. Um, in probably not uh, not the way you're thinking, but um, a bit uh, it might make you a bit nauseous. This particular story, but um, I did come across this, and of course I, I read the heading uh, "fake news," and of course well, it's <laughs> oh, clearly got to be about the trumpster and the dumpster, but uh, but it wasn't. Um, I posed the question apropos of your last uh, little piece. Uh, would you ever eat a zebra? Oh, I couldn't bring myself to eat a zebra. They're too cute. What if you knew it wasn't? What if you didn't know what the meat was? Hmm. Well, what, what would it say on the menu? Uh, do you not like the look of ducks? Whoa, Okay. Okay. And do you not like the very cute little spring lamb? I, no, I like a duck. Re, re, I like a la ronde, I like clearly. A, I, like a, I like a duck nestled between a little pancake with <laughs> some poison sauce and oh, some yeah. cucumber and, and your, spring onion. And what's your favourite little Bambi? You know, your, your, your little uh, spring lamb. Where's, uh, what, uh, drizzled in uh, mint sauce? No, I probably <laughs> like mine roasted in the oven. Oh, stop it. So, uh, so we go on. Would you ever eat a zebra? What about a monkey? I don't know that I could bring myself to that. Mm, so how's the nausea going? But uh, yeah. what if the zebra or monkey meat was actually fake? Ah, fake monkey Made from <laughs> cells in a laboratory. Right. Okay, so the story continues. And about now I go, what's the point? Right. So the idea of eating uh, exotic animals is, for most people, unpalatable. 
Yes. Uh, and I would concur. Yes. Uh, the reaction when uh, Spectre of Eating dog or horse arises uh, yes. is one of repulsion. Even the thought of eating uh, goat. Now, no, I've eaten goat. Yeah, no, I have goat seen stew that. Well, in I mean, uh, curry, curried goat is yeah. uh, one of the beautiful it's things. Not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. Oh, no, Indian coat curry. Yeah. <laughs> and goat um, curry, yeah. Beautiful. Now, he, he, just a quick side question. Uh, do you know what the most eaten meat is in the, on the globe? I would say chicken. Try goat. Are you kidding? No. So the oh, makes sense. the Probably most eating Africa and all that. Yeah. Uh, so to tuck into a chimpanzee chop, <laughs> chimpanzee chop, <laughs> real or not, oh, will most yeah. likely send nearly one, nearly everybody off the charts. Yet, an Australian company, Vow Food, <laughs> should be called uh, Bow Food, Bow Wow, wow. Uh, Vow Food is looking at bringing such exotic meats to our plates. The company says it wants to push the meat-eating experience beyond a handful of domesticated animals and to open our eyes to the enormity of options available. So take cattle, sheep, chickens and pigs off the menu, the four species that make up virtually all of our food. The company claims these species constitute just 0.02% of the animals available for us to eat. And if you think zebra, if you think the zebra thing is stretching... Uh, the company's website features a picture of a cow, a lion, a turtle, what appears to be a bison, and the aforementioned uh, zebra. Mm. What are the odds that animals we eat today are the best of two million species uh, available? Well, it raises a fascinating so topic. It's uh, that we tend so to if eat you the were going to, well, I tell you what: if you want me to eat zebra, don't, don't call it zebra. Yeah. For mine? Yeah. Um, you, you, could, you could call it crocodile. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but th- that being said, yeah, and, and if you're going to serve me up something in the top of a coconut where you can take the, head, the top off, no. don't call that monkey either. No. Because uh, you won't get me. But if you want to make food that's grown in, the, in, a, in a test tube, in a, in a laboratory somewhere, uh, call it broccoli. <laughs> I mean, don't. We're not going to get our head around eating exotic animals I, in this country. I, I, I think I'd rather have fake meat. Yeah, than, you'd be, than eat a zebra. You're better off with a veggie burger, plant-based thing. Yep. I'd, I'd go for rather I mean, than that. It, that's just my summation. I guess it's what you're acclimatised to over the. Well, journey, I guess it, it is, but I don't think we are a, a nation and a culture of people that would warm to eating exotic. Animals. Well, we need to eat less animals anyway, don't well, we? Well, that's, that's sort of the, the point. That, that is a whole new the problem. whole new topic around when if we want to save the planet, we've got to eat less beef. That's the whole because they chop down trees so they can do grazing, and then we keep eating the beef, and it's not good for us anyway. Well, and then we destroy the planet. And now that you've raised that, may I, I'll get this one out the way then, because it's a lovely segue straight into this piece. Oh, even if fossils, even if fossil fuel, be later then, mate. Seriously, you, that was just down the track. Through covers, and you you, you didn't even you just, didn't need to walk. Just getting one you, off the square you early. You didn't need yeah. to to run. It was it was going to the boundary all day. Uh, even if fossil fuel emissions ended, greenhouse gases from food could drive global temperatures above the internationally agreed warming limits. A new study has warned. Feeding Earth's seven point seven billion people accounts for nearly to a third of global greenhouse gas. A third, yeah, just a, just that's by it. what we eat, correct, right? 
um, including from land clearing and deforestation, fertiliser use and livestock. Researchers in the US and Britain said the only way to avert devastating warming is the transformation of what we eat, how it's produced and the amount we waste. Our work shows that food is a much greater contributor to climate change than is widely known. Uh, or accepted, I would I would suggest, uh, said co-author Jason Hill, professor in the Department of Bioproducts and Biosystems Engineering at the University of Minnesota. Uh, fortunately, we can fix this problem by using fertilizer more efficiently, by eating less meat and more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, and by making other important changes to our food system. I'm not going to go on, but that's exactly the point. Yeah, it's exactly um, the point. It, it's a, it's as much it's a major contributor. To, uh, to what goes on, and unless we do change our ways, uh, that ain't going to no, get any better. And just, you know, we're not saying you have to cut it out forever and entirely. No. Just eat less of it, eat yep. half of it. Yep, that's or, true. Or, very true. Um, support beef producers that contribute back to the environment. And there are some very good farmers who understand that they need to repatriate their land. Yep. Who do that? Well, I'll tell you what I want our listeners. I want somebody, just somebody, <laughs> anybody, to uh, SMS us in. I, t- tell me what is the best vegetarian restaurant in Melbourne, and and I'll go there because I I want to I want to have a It'll crack. Be an I'll, Indian one. Probably. I want to have a crack at that. Uh, tell me what it is. There used to be a cracking good one. I think I told you about it at the uh, St Kilda Bars many years ago. Captain Baxter. Um, yeah, down that way. Yeah. yeah, in that in that facility, and I don't, it's certainly not there anymore. Well, um, now that we actually can go to a restaurant. well, that's what I'm saying. So if you if you've got one, share it. Uh, you can SMS us on zero four zero four triple zero seven three six, or you can send an email to studio at southernfm.com.au. But uh, tell me where to go, and uh, and I'll go. I'm plenty sure there's people out there that are going to tell you where to go. Oh, they've been doing it for years. <laughs> I'm going to take a little quick track, Scotty. Right yeah, Good. And, and you, you might recognise this one from yesteryear. Okay. I took my troubles down to Madame Rue. You know that gypsy with the gold cap too. She's got a pad down a pretty potent vine. Selling little bottles of love potion number nine. I told her that I was a flop with chicks. I've been this way since 1956.
Yeah, Scotty. Is he? Uh, hey. Is it in the sixties wheelhouse? A, certainly in the sixties. That's the searches, mate. They were around when the Beatles were going, the Hollies were going, Jerry and the Pacemakers. They sort of had that, that same. Yeah. They had that same tonality, didn't they? In terms of what I mean, that could easily be a Beatles song. Well, they you know, call it. Terms. They call it the genre is Mersey Beat because they all came Mersey from up that beat. way, right? Yes, okay, up in Liverpool. So my tonality is actually uh, yes, it's the uh, it's the it's the. They had a few good songs. What you just they had said. a few good songs. They, they had um, they had needles and pins. Um, oh, they, they did had that, too. Uh, when you walk in the room, one. Yes. And they had uh, that one. I just played there. Love potion number nine. Needles and pins. That hippie right. hippie shake. Oh, the hippie have, hippie. The hippie. I used to have that on a seventy eight. The yeah. hippie hippie shake. Yeah. yeah, that was a beauty. Sweets for my sweet. Yes, yeah. sugar for my honey. Sugar for my honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was them, the searchers. Jeez, aren't we showing? I don't think I've got some old searchers <laughs> vinyl. Aren't we showing our age when we're peeling off some of the lines of these songs, mate? But it had uh, <laughs> it had nine in it. That one love potion. I like it. I like it a lot. Don't and, worry about uh, that. And I've had a couple of love potions recently because oh, I've been out and about on the beers. Oh, have you? Um, that's my certain potion. Right. Um, this is apropos of nothing, but I just caught my interest in the paper today. Um, I've got a lot of t-shirts. I probably have more t-shirts than I need. Need yeah, certainly. Yeah, I've got a few. But I keep buying them. I don't know why. Yeah, I've got a lot of band oh, t-shirts. Bit, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I've got a lot of band t-shirts. But this caught my eye. There's a there's a group. I love this. Um, da, 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 da. there's um, oh that group. Yeah, they're, 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 all the bar staff at the Grand in Warrandyte. Yes. Are sporting Dan and Brews t shirts. Dan, oh, really? <laughs> it's a great one. Oh. It's got a photo of Dictator in the middle with a with a VB can with Dan A N, you know, hyphen Brews. Oh. And under it, get on the beers. Oh. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Love it! I love it! I love it! Oh, so I might have to get one of those. I have to wander down to to the the Grand in Warrandyte, the Grand Hotel in Warrandyte. I'm sure they've got them for sale. Do you think that'd be quite a palatial sort of uh, establishment? I think there's a lot of hotels. We've had this discussion. There's a lot oh, of hotels called the Grand. Yep, and there's a lot of them called the Royal Mail. Yep, there is. And I've been through that with you Royal. before. I think yep. I added. Seventeen, I found in Victoria. Yeah, alone. and what were some of the other names that we that we came up with? That you know, every town has to have one. Oh, commercial. The, the, the commercial hotel. That's yeah, right. Yeah, there's always um, a commercial. Is, it, is the the Albion? Is oh, that is that I don't know is that how one? Popular that is the Albion. No, no, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I know of. An what about Albion? the Criterion? Oh yes, there'd be a few Criterions. There's wouldn't a few there? of those. There's yep. a few of those. Um, the Main Street Hotel? Yeah. Would there be a Main Street? There'd be um, the, there'd be a few Crowns. Crowns, yes. Uh, there'd be yes. a few Royal Oaks. Yes. Um, yes, oh, absolutely. I'd say. Not, um, not too many Elephant and Wheelbarrows. <laughs> <laughs> the Royal, there'd be the Royal as oh, well yeah, as the, the Royal, Royal Mail. Yeah, the Royal for sure. Um That'd be that'd be, oh, yeah, they'd be fantastic ones. Or there'd be a the country inn, or there'd be ones around the country, probably. Yeah, um, there'd be a, there's a couple escaping us that we might need. The Royal to, and the Royal Mail, I reckon, would be the most. Why, why, why don't we? Oh, the uh, commercial. There'd be a commercial. Oh yeah, no, we said we said the commercial. Yep. Um, there'd be a central. Oh, central, yes. Uh, no Gr- Albions. Ground. Grand, we said. The Grand, the yes. Cl- club Hotel. The Club, yes. Club that, Hotel. That'd work. 
Yeah, I reckon that's they're probably going to be the ones. What about uh, what about if we set ourselves the uh, challenge of trying to find the most bizarre named pub in Victoria? Wow, something okay. that's completely nuts in terms of uh, what it's called, and try and find out why it's called that. What do you reckon? So, I, can, uh, I consider that a challenge all accepted. Right. Thank you. All right. So um, there you go. So we were talking about um, the T-shirt. We talked <laughs> yes. about pubs. your wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, talked about my wardrobe. Yep. Um, oh, did, did I tell you this one? No. You know, Brit- British teenagers, Yes. Um, they're not growing as fast as uh, they used to. In terms of height? Yeah. Right. So, you know, most ah. most of our, our siblings, you know, our you know, next generation yeah. is always taller and bigger and all that. I think the and... girls are here. Oh, yeah. Hey? Giraffes, the girls hey, here. I know. British teenagers are no longer growing as tall as those in some European countries due to oh. shit food. Oh, Worse really? nutrition. A global study Tish by the food. Imperial College in London found that while average heights in Britain had increased in the past 35 years, yep. the growth has not kept up with other countries. So it's a relative measure. Right. At 19 years old, British men were on average 176.3 centimetres tall. That's pretty which tall. is what in the old? Oh, it's nearly six foot. I mean, mm. it's 5'11", 5'10 five five and a half. Five. So they're 28th on the global list. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Well, 180 centimetres is six foot. Right. Right? So right. you're only 3.7, you're only 3.7 centimetres, which is, is two and a half centimetres to an inch. And it's because so, of poor nutrition and yeah. probably spending too much time in pubs with funny names. Five foot ten and a half, mate, I reckon, you're talking about. So, uh, And what did it drop down to? It dropped down to... So gone from 176.3 to what? No, it dropped. It dropped from 178 down to 176. Oh, okay. So one, yeah, so 178. So 179. Yeah, but... The, yeah, okay. So they've, they've... An inch, effectively, I reckon. They've, 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 they've lost an inch. They've lost... <laughs> <laughs> Lost an inch, Not so uh, they might need, inch. might need some high heel, uh, some high, <laughs> higher uh, heels on their boots. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Uh, so I just thought good. I'd share that with you. That's a, a bad nutrition and too much ale. All right, too uh, many pints. Well, of spe- lager. Well, speaking of things that uh, that probably hadn't gone so well, this is uh, maybe an inverted story of that. But uh, if you recall, um, uh, Athens got uh, the Olympics several years ago. Oh yeah, and do you know what happened? It was a good Olympics, though. Yeah, it was a good Olympics, but do you know what happened to? Do you know what happened to Greece after that? It just basically went broke. <laughs> so interest rates were, I think, minus. Um, but anyway, there's great news, Rutsy. Yes. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, do we have a triple A, a AAA rating here in terms of our uh, country credit score? Is I believe it, it's double, is a, is double A plus. Yes, yeah, double A plus. So, yes. so it's pretty good, right? Um, so if you sort of got to an A and didn't have the other two, the other one A and the plus, and you sort of maybe even had an A minus, that probably wouldn't be so great, would it? No. What's no. what a Greece got? So anyway, uh, no, no, Greece is going beautifully, Rutsy. No, they're, they're fantastic. Um, Moody's rating uh, agency has upgraded Greece's long-term debt rating, citing growth prospects for uh, the next uh, next year, um, among other factors. So they're on the cusp of something amazing. Yeah. Um, the agency has uh, lifted the country's rating by a notch on Saturday. Yeah, mate, hang on. They've gone from 
B1 <laughs> to B A3. I thought you were going to say B2 then. Oh, then my then. goodness. B1 with and B2. A, with a stable outlook, despite the corona, <laughs> coronavirus breakout and its impact on Greece's tourism industry that's gone oh, to the shizen. No. That's, so, that's um, funny. so, mate, when I, when, I, when I reckon, yeah, as I said, I, I'd be shaking in my boots if we had an A minus, but oh, no, they've gone from a B1 to a BA3. <laughs> It's, it sounds like two different planes, doesn't it? Uh, now, we, we think we might upgrade our fleet from a B-1 to a BA-3. <laughs> sounds like uh, oh. the ABC had these two blokes oh. dressed up as bananas. Oh, t- <laughs> exactly. Bananas in pyjamas. They might want to stop having a siesta for about 10 years <laughs> and just actually get on and do the a bit more. The great thing about Greece, if you've ever visited there, oh, I, haven't. I, have, I have many times, and every building you go to... Um, um, it's closed. <laughs> it's a two-story building and has the foundations for a third uh, floor on it because they actually don't pay um, building tax until the building's completed. So oh, there isn't there is isn't a building in Greece that's is completed. Is that right? Is <laughs> that right? They've got How, every scam going. That's gold. Yeah, they're good. I uh, love it. Hey, um, you asked and I've delivered. Um, yes, I've please. Just, um, this isn't Victoria-based, so I've still got some homework to do. But right. Here are... 15 wackiest country pubs you have Oh, visited. you've actually brought it back to the table today. I, have I, I to thought today. I, I thought it was going to be uh, part of next week's innings. No, this is the uh, glad. this is in uh, the Kalgoorlie Sports Ground in Brewarrina, the Dead Fox Bar. Oh, and that's what I'm talking yeah, about, the Dead Fox. Stubbies are 4 bucks there. Oh, huh? Yeah. Um, Where's the Dead Fox? The Dead Fox is up in oh, it's Brewarrina. I don't even know oh. where Brewarrina is. So it's not in Victoria. No, no, not it'll at be, all. It'll be northeast, northwest Queensland or in, something, in, will it? In 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 Taylor's Arm. I don't know where Taylor's Arm is, no, but there's a pub that's called the Pub with No Beer. Oh, <laughs> which is now, apropos um, of the Slim Dusty Ballad. I say Slim Matter song yes. out of it. Correct. Uh, Lightning Ridge. Um, oh, yeah. There's a pub called the Club in the Scrub. Club in the Scrub, <laughs> love it, love it. In Cabramurra, there's the Cabra, the Cabra. Yeah. Oh yeah. In Tiboobara, there's the two-story hotel. <laughs> in Louth, there's the Shindies Inn. Shindies. Ah, oh, I love oh. this. In Bogabilla, wouldn't you love to live in Bogabilla? <laughs> Where is Bogabilla? Bogabilla. Oh, come on. Uh, they've got the Wobbly Boot Hotel there. Oh, I tell you what, that would be happily named if it was in Boogawarra or wherever <laughs> it was. Boot. There's a few blokes there with oh, Wobbly Boots. Yeah. And in uh, near Broken Hill, there's a pub called the Pack Saddle. The Pack Saddle. Yeah. Yep, and like in it. Albert, I don't know where Albert is, uh, yeah. Albert uh, Population 11. I <laughs> <laughs> have a pub called the Rabbit Trap Hotel. The Rabbit Trap. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, 11 people in the town, and 11. it's got a pub. It's got a pub. It's got oh. nothing else, but it's got a pub. So I'll continue to do some oh, work. Oh, that's gold. Uh, and come back to you with some weird pub names. I Unusual like, pub names. I like that a lot. <laughs> now, can, I, uh, can I tell you about some poor chap? Um, in uh, this is in Beirut, <laughs> um, an ex uh, an ex 
uh, expatriate worker in Kuwait has been scouring some landfill. Uh, he, he's lost. Uh, he's lost something. Yeah, and uh, he's looking for his life savings. <laughs> oh no, he's dropped him in the in the um, bin after throwing out more than thirty six thousand dollars in local currency by mistake. Oh no! Uh, the Egyptian man threw a plastic bag containing the cash along with other rubbish bags into a bin in the. Um, Jibria district of Kuwait City. Uh, by the time he realised his error, the bin's contents had been taken to a waste disposal site where he failed to find the money. Police were initially sceptical of his account but have changed their minds and decided to open an investigation. I think it's been found mm-hmm. uh, and not by him. Correct. <laughs> I think there's a couple of workers that have handed in their resignation at the local tip. And it's not in the yeah. lost and found area. No, I don't reckon he's going to get a text anytime soon saying, great news, sir, we found you 36000 No, there'll be two blokes so, uh, who go, sorry, boss, change of plans, yeah, we're not it. coming to work yeah, tomorrow. And, and then about three three months later, they send a postcard from, <laughs> yes. gr- from Greece of them on their yacht. Yeah, wish you were here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, too good. Anyway, Paul Bugger. I, I do... I've only got a couple of minutes to do this, and I wanted to, to right. acknowledge some great work by Johnny Sylvester, uh, um, as always, in the in the small paper yesterday. And this is as apropos of the um, Christine Holgate, who unfortunately had a, a clash with some watches, um, oh, yeah. and reportedly worth forty eight thousand dollars of watches, yeah. which uh, which was she was handing out left, right, and centre to her friends, which is. Uh, uh, Base pay for a postie, so <laughs> Tur- turned out not not to be a good citizen. No, oh, pardon, pardon. so he um, he riffs on the concept of uh, the seven deadly sins, and in particular this one, which is greed. Um, uh, yes, but uh, but he does start quite beautifully with uh, the seven deadly sins. He said uh, he said at times I've turned laziness into an art form, making a sleepy sloth look like Usain Bolt. Uh, speaking of lazy. Put me near a lazy Susan filled with peaking duck, and we have gluttony well and truly covered. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. <laughs> so he goes oh, on, yeah. goes on about that. For, but he talks about greed, yep. and um, obviously, um, this is the you know what, what's been referred to as a bit of greed, corruption, whatever you want to call it, yep. um, sort of a failure of governance or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this is about optics. Um, so she's she's a good CEO. Um, she was paid well, paid a lot of money. Um, 1.4? Uh, over two um, with bonuses. Whoa. Um, and then it came to light that she had gifted four Cartier watches with a total of uh, 20 grand or so to key executives for breaking a big deal. Um, he says, bonuses are a part of business these days. We at nine get free ham at Christmas. <laughs> The right. vegans get hemp stockings, I think. <laughs> but I think her response was not a wise one. Holgate told watch, 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 what dog? Watch, watch, oh, dog. The watch, watch dog. The watch, watch dog. <laughs> watch, watch, the watch, watch, what? Watch, watch dog. <laughs> Senate Estimates Committee. She said, I've not used taxpayers' money. We're a commercial organisation. Oops, that was probably not the opportunity uh, to be saying that. Wouldn't say because that. Um, she was wearing, in, in the court appearance, with, again, optics, yep. she was wearing her very own Bulgari watch, yep. uh, worth up to 48000 which is a base pay for a postie. So not very good at the optics. Oh, dear. Um, so um, presumably that price, both would be waterproof, unlike her position, she has since resigned. So... Um, yep. And then it's been not a good week also for um, James Packer, 
um, who yeah. gave evidence to the New South Wales Casino inquiry, inquiry via satellite video from his 100-metre, $300 million uh, yacht. Was it in Mallorca? <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> oh, dear me. <sighs> so, uh, and then, of course, we've had the federal government, which has uh, paid $33 million for a plot of land in Sydney's second airport. For, for Sydney's second airport. Trouble is, it's worth three. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> They've paid thirty million dollars too much. So, what was James having a chat about the oh, uh, casino inquiry? He's basically declared unfit as a director of a casino, which right. throws into right. doubt his Barangaroo project. Uh, oh yes, the, the new one in Sydney. Yeah. So, uh, okay. and then he talks about. Um, so he's, he's in, it's in the concept of greed. He's mentioned Holgate. He's mentioned Packer. He's mentioned Scott Morrison because he's paid too much for an airport. Um, mentions a couple of ASIC commissioners who have uh, been a bit greedy. And then, of course, um, he uh, talks about Nicola Goppo, who's, you know, taken a couple of shekels here and there. Yep. Um, So, uh, and then he goes with this. I just wanted to read this out, because he's a master wordsmith, isn't he? He is. He goes with this. Um, Of course, we had the, the security guards in plastic ponchos guarding quarantine hotels, leading police, politicians and public servants... Uh, to have the memory of a senile goldfish after an acid trip. (laughs) (laughs) You would think that such matters, that such decision matters, would require minutes or tapes, yet it would appear the records were kept on etch-a-sketch boards. Oh, stop it. Mr. Squiggle could have kept better notes. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up, hurry up. Hurry up, Miss Jane. Hurry up. Hi, Miss Jane. also have the steam shovel guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the... the, the oh, it was the, Blackboard that used to say, hurry up. Hurry and up, And then, Miss uh, Jane. but Mr. Squiggle... Oh, yes, Miss Jane. Yes, yes, now it looks like. If and you turn it upside down, Miss Jane... <laughs> Didn't that, that's the steam shovel thing, the guy with the, the big crane with the smoke? Yeah, that yeah. it's the smoke, but yeah. uh, but Mr. Squiggle was... You know, he got put in the rocket, remember? That's right. After he'd done that's his right. drawings. That's and right. he'd draw them, and then she turned them up the other way. That's but Blackboard was the grumpy one. Blackboard. Hurry up, hurry, hurry up. up. <laughs> And he finishes, the great uh, Johnny goes, (laughs) I started in journalism in 1978 when business had a different mindset. Back then, birds feathered their own nests. (laughs) Stock options were for chefs. Oh, oh, stop. And a golden parachute was a Chinese restaurant near the airport. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. The 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 golden parachute. Imagine if you imagine if there was a Chinese restaurant called the, the golden, golden parachute. parachute. How good's that? Well, I mean, I was going to say James probably didn't have too much to worry about, did he? Because didn't um, didn't Andrew Demetrio do a really good job when oh, he was being yes, interviewed? He missed him as well. <laughs> anyway, we'll take a quick break. Okay, mate. And uh, I've got one coming up for you after the break that um, challenged me to play. Beautiful, but I've gone with it. Great. Could you recognise if one of your friends or family was having a stroke? Think fast. F. Face. Check their face. Has their mouth drooped? A. Arms. Can they lift both arms? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred or confused? T. Time. Don't wait. Call Triple O now. Think fast. Act fast. A message from the National Stroke Foundation. 
Southern FM is celebrating 30 years on air. Andrew Rennies from The Space Show. Hello, Andrew. I present The Space Show, which is a program about space and astronomy. And we do interviews and lecture recordings. And we make up our own documentaries as well. And we spin in uh, some stuff from the European Space Agency and NASA and so on as well. Every Wednesday between 7 and 8 p.m. Listen to all our highlights. Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30. The 14th of November is Southern FM's 30th anniversary. Can you believe it? Celebrate our highlights. Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday to you. bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Scotty, uh, you don't often hear me playing Dolly Parton. I was going to say, uh, I wouldn't have thought that uh, you could find a Dolly Parton track in your house or your music library for love nor money. But, uh, but when you're trying to stick well, to a song theme, mate, uh, it's, gonna, you, it, it's great for the bottom of the valley. You, you've had to go wide. Go. No, I love it. Dolly's great. Dolly is great. She's hey, a great writer, too. She's a great writer. Yeah, she's she a great writer. Well, I love Jolene was the Jolene. good song. Yes, she indeed. She sing a few with uh, Chris Christopherson, too, and you know a few others. So, yep. yeah, she was good. She's had 
She's had more country top 40 albums or top 10 albums than most. I couldn't even begin to tell you. No, that's stats true. About Dolly. She's, hey. She's got her own Dolly world, you know. Has she? She's got Dolly, Dolly Parton Theme oh. Park. Mm. Dolly World. Which beggars imagine. I don't know what the entrance looks like. Oh. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah. won't go anywhere near no, there. No, there's just not a line <laughs> that you could even bother to dance with. No. It's just, that's too hard. Moving on. Moving on. I'll tell you what, uh, to, speaking of things uh, particularly risque, um, can I share with you about a, uh, a, a prince who uh, some of the uh, activities of those on uh, farther shores over in the England way, um, there was a chap that uh, came here several times, and I'd just like to share his uh, his journey with you, if oh, I may. Right. So uh, this is actually known as Australia's first royal tour. So you know, you think about uh, some of the things that uh, that the royals have uh, inadvertently got themselves allegedly mixed up with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's form. <laughs> Really? So, yes. Well, um, we so, are referencing our friend Randy. Andy. Oh, well, you know, I, who would know? But uh, you know, there's uh, there's a couple that have done some interesting things across the journey. Uh, Australia's first royal tour, it is uh, being claimed, was marred by a riot in Melbourne, a triple fatality fire in Bendigo. And an attempted assassination in Sydney. Wow. So, <laughs> if if he if he knew that that's how his tour was going to roll, he might not have come. But anyway, so he was this uh, way. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll step way. you through him. Yeah. Yeah, so yet, seems like d- he's a walking Basil Fawlty. Despite a succession of disasters for Prince Alfred on his 1867-68 tour, there's another. Oh, the 67-68. Oh. That was a beauty. Oh, that was a good tour. <laughs> that that was one. a good tour. Prince Alfred, by the way. Yeah. There's a few pubs called Prince Alfred. Yeah. That's right, PAs and yeah. Prince Alfreds, and uh, so uh, so on the sixty seven sixty eight tour, narrowly escaping with his life, he enjoyed his Australian sojourn so much he returned twice. <laughs> um, given that he knew what happened the first time, my goodness! So the Party Boy Prince, as he was known, Rutsy. Oh, the, the party, party boy, boy prince is the subject of uh, a new episode in the in the black and white uh, section of, of the podcast of Australia's Forgotten Characters, which is the thing I've been following. So, State Library uh, lead curator Carolyn Fraser says Queen Victoria's second son was wildly popular. <laughs> with, <laughs> Love it with the ladies. Uh, yeah, wildly uh, wait <laughs> with uh, wildly popular with Aussies, and it was even proposed that he become King of Australia. King of Australia? Yes. So he was, uh, a little nomination went up, and they, this bloke's a ripper. He's one of us, and he should be King of our country. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> he was almost an Australian. In some ways, he is and was an honorary Australian. Um, we, go, uh, we go down. Um, the proposal goes into great details about all the sorts of geolaf- uh, geographical and cultural and economic benefits that this would have had if he had become king. Much like royal tours today, the visit of Prince Alfred, Acker, the Duke of Edinburgh, as he was also known, sent Australian into... A frenzy of adulation. A frenzy of oh, adulation. Oh, there's just a, there's tremendous descriptive terms for him here. Um, outside official events, Prince Alfred spent his time in Melbourne. Here we go. <laughs> Gambling, hunting, drinking, partying, and frequenting brothels. <laughs> and, and, and he wasted the rest of his time. <laughs> oh, but trouble erupted uh, when... Uh, 
a mooted appearance by the prince at a big banquet for the poor, attended by many tens of thousands on the banks of the Yarra, did not eventuate. <laughs> so uh, don't worry about all the others over there. Can you come and just be really nice to some of the uh, poorer folk? Uh, no, 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 no turnout. A riot broke out. Food was flung around. Miss <laughs> Fraser says, giant vats of wine were overturned. It was a total mess. <laughs> when Prince Alfred visited Bendigo, the citizens staged an enormous procession in which uh, included a replica of the prince's ship, the uh, Galatea, crewed by children dressed as sailors. In a horrific tragedy, the boat caught fire and three children died. <laughs> <laughs> this, bloke, this bloke needs to buy a tax ticket. Um, that night, a ball was to be held for the prince at the new Prince Alfred Hall, but a fire erupted there too, and it burnt down. <laughs> After the fire, or during the fire, really, he suggested they move the ball to another location. On March 12, 1868, <laughs> Prince Alfred was shot in the back in Sydney by an Irishman, Henry O'Farrell, in what is often considered a first, Australia's first political assassination, assassination attempt. The bullet was deflected by a pair of uh, heavy braces that the prince was wearing. So, how's his tour? That's a good tour. <laughs> hey? Love that's to see the T-shirt. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only got two sets of years marked on it, <laughs> and then R.I.P. I think <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, Is that party eighties the, the, the eighteen sixty seven oh, sixty eight tour. Yes, was the sixty seven sixty eight. Good year, good tour that year. Prince yeah. Alfred's yeah. eighteen sixty seven yeah. sixty eight tour. I think we should make up a two smoking guns T-shirt in uh, in in uh, appreciation of just what he achieved on that tour. <laughs> it's um, on the back. Know, just list his achievements. Yeah, just RIP three children, you know, um, just ashes of town hall, <laughs> town hall gone. <laughs> Junk and ride so, at a pool uh, party. So he's an absolute uh, well beauty. So, uh, so anyway. uh, apple and tree. Um, subsequent generations, the apple has not fallen for. Uh, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's uh, just a chip off the old block. And I did say block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of block. Yes. Did you oh. know that. Um, the block tops a ton. Is this about how much coin they've spent? Yeah. TV show The Block yep. has gambled, well, gambled, and they've invested, gambled, more than $100 million on the Melbourne property market. It's a serious go, isn't it? It's a good go, isn't it? 12 yep. seasons. 12 yep. seasons set in Victoria. Yeah. Shaping up for its 13th Melbourne renovation. Yeah. The show has invested more than $100 million on properties for the Melbourne seasons. That includes um, $11 million just spent on five houses in Hampton. Mm. Um, it started with 3.6 mil in Richmond, followed by 3.025 for four houses in South Melbourne. Yep. One of which I lived in, I think I told you that, in Dorcas Street. Ah, yes. I used to live in that one. I used to live in the one that had the red door. Yeah, right. Uh, 6.7 for a former hotel in South Melbourne, and 5.9 for a warehouse in Albert Park, which was the old soap factory and uh, oh. home of Mushroom Records. Oh, that's right. 8.25 for an office block in Paran. It was that um, funny shape one. The office block? Wasn't that the Octagonal Hotel on um, High Street? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. 6.25 for the Hotel Savile in South Yarra. 5.7 yep. for a block of flats in South Yarra. Uh, 5.025 for a Port Melbourne factory. That's right. 9.6 for a land in Elstonwick. Not, oh, that was a big block. It's five uh, houses. Yeah. It? 10 yep. mil for the Gatwick. 10.8 for the Oslo. And 14.9 for the recent Brighton show. How much um, for the Brighton block? 14.9 million. Hmm. Right, so 15 million divided by five, 
guess where the reserves start. Yeah, and and then with a, a fair bit of coin gone into the build. Yeah. So so um, that's a fair. They're they're a fairly large investor. Yeah, aren't they ever? Aren't they? Yep. Indeed. Well, uh, let me continue with a uh, property theme. Uh, we've, we've got all these magnificent segues here today, but complete, <laughs> complete and utter fluke. <laughs> oh no, it was all the preparation that we did, we did before the show. It's no, but the research meeting. I, uh, this just caught my eye. So Kilda marches home, and I thought maybe it's about our beloved Saints, but it's about the um, area. Well, we've got another player through the week too, Scotty. Yeah, we another just couple. Yes, um, Bradley Couch. Yeah, but we've lost Matty Parker. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. to. Well, you can't, you can't have, can't have everyone. You can only have forty on a list. So. Yeah, and then we picked up uh, the young McKernan yeah, too. Just handy backup. Is he in case of big he going right? down? No, he's just backup. Yeah, okay. Need a bit of backup, mate. It's a long season. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is a piece about. Uh, it's actually written by. Um, uh, so it's lady. not about St Kilda Football Club. No, it's not. It's about the, the, the suburb. The, the suburb of, and it's written by this lady, Cat Woods, and I just liked it. Cat. Uh, a cat. Name. Is that short for yeah, Catherine? Or Catherine or Katrina or, yeah, Katrina. or Katrina's only a K, isn't it? But yeah. anyway, Catherine probably or um, Katie. 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 Katie with a C maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, before I moved to Kilda in August this year, I associated the suburb with its tourist friendly landmarks Katana Gardens, Ackland Street, Luna Park, the Espy and the Palais. The Espy. Oh, I can't yeah, wait to get back yeah, to the Espy. Exactly. These uh, these landmarks are glorious, but to really appreciate St Kilda, a couple of hours spent walking through the streets reveals the most unique examples of historic architectural design in Melbourne, from the Gothic-style Christ Church in Ackland Street, harking back to 1883, to the bluestone elliptical arches of the original palatial villas and mansions along the Esplanade yeah. and Fitzroy Street that have since become guest houses or been turned into apartments. Who designed these places? Who lived here? And how much this place uh, changed from a century ago to now? In pre-COVID times, the local council ran 16 guided tours around the city of Port Phillip annually. With the freedom to take an actual, uh, sorry, without the freedom to take an actual tour, but with an insatiable curiosity, an online search produced the wonderful St Kilda walking tour. From Riches to Rags and Back Again, created by the Heritage Council of Victoria in assistance with the Port Phillip Council. So I won't bore you senselessly with any more, but effectively you can go on. There's a free audio tour comprising of 17 separate tracks. It takes about an hour to listen to. And it's it, it, there's an accompanying map that you can actually print off. And you can uh, go and get the history of um, a whole bunch of buildings down in St Kilda. And th- that gave me rise to think about um, I wonder, uh, I've got a theory that um, uh, some tourists know more about our city and some of its history than we do because we don't do things like this. Yeah, you're right. And when they come here, they go, wouldn't that be really interesting? I've heard this place in Kilda is pretty interesting. So, you know, they've, the got, they've, gone up, they've done the, the walking tour on foot when they could, but we can actually go and do it online. So there's a... Um, you just go to uh, see heritagecouncil.vic.gov.au slash get involved slash tours slash St Kilda walking tour slash. <laughs> where, where, where would you take people to if you took them to St Kilda, Scott? Uh, yeah, I'd take them through. Uh, you definitely take them to Fitzroy Street. 
um, and you'd walk from. You'd have a quick drink. Well, you get bars. Bar de Stars, yeah. yeah, you go there and you'd you'd see the uh, the, the the paintings, and then uh, yeah, you'd be walking west and you'd be walking down, um, you know, heading down towards the Katani Gardens up around the corner. You have the Espy, you've got the Kilda Sea Baths. Um, you then meander, yeah. So, oh, then you know, I mean, you're then going to walk past this monumental, huge building that's going up now, but that's where St. Moritz used to be, which is just in front of the Katana or just next to the Katana Gardens. And then there's the Sunday market that's up there in the Sunday upper Esplanade, it's a ripper. Um, then you're across to Luna Park, and then you've got the Palais next door, and then you probably meander down Ackland Street. You might come back up the other way, um, and then you might meander your way up past Macca's through that beautiful street and look at the housing there and get your way back to Fitzroy Street, maybe. Alternatively... Yeah, just get in a taxi. You could could, could start up the top where the tram stop is. Yes. Where the light rail comes out at, at that particular pub there. Yep. Name escapes me. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's the saint on one corner, and then there's the other one. Yeah, forget its name. Yeah, the fancy one though. Yeah, and you can come come down the street and go to the stars. Yeah, then round to the SB. Yep, and then you could um, pop in for a drink at the Stokehouse or Donovan's. Oh yes, that's and true. And then you could continue down Ackland Street, and you've got um, a whole lot of different places you could get a, a cake or, yep. a, or an ice cream or you could have a bowl of pasta at chicholina oh how good finish at the village bell <laughs> ah yes the newbie and then if it's a saturday afternoon you can pop around the round to clay pots and watch the elvis impersonator oh that's where he performs <laughs> isn't it yes all of which i'm now that i've said yeah. that i might come and do that yeah exactly i'll uh, i'll have to come and join you i've got to see this bloke oh, it's very all right we're gonna take a break yep um i'll probably only get one more song we've got to say we're uh, i've got we're, a choice of two so we're just... uh, we're we're about at the 400 mate and uh the, i can we're see in the last furlong we're in the last two furlongs and i can see the finish line coming and uh It'll uh, it'll be a photo finish. <laughs> when your future feels uncertain, it's time to ask for help. Bendigo Bank has been helping our customers through tough times for over 160 years. If you're a Bendigo Bank customer, talk to us about ways we can help you through this one. We have financial assistance packages available, so don't wait. Visit our website or contact your local Bendigo Bank branch. Together, we'll see you through to better times. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Southern FM sponsor. Someone's collapsed. Quick, call an ambulance. Is she diabetic? Does she need insulin? I don't know. She's still unconscious. What do we do? When seconds count in an emergency, what happens next is up to you. If you're a Medical Alert member, your internationally recognised medical ID helps emergency services identify your medical conditions and allergies so you can control what happens next. It's up to you to stay protected. Join Medical Alert today. Visit mymedicalert.org.au. Joseph was in his 60s when a tragic series of events pushed him into homelessness. Sadly, he's not the only one. Almost 700 Australians over the age of 65 will be sleeping rough tonight. Thankfully, Mission Australia was able to rescue Joseph and find him a safe and stable home. Please donate today to help other older Australians escape or avoid homelessness. Call 1-800-888868 or visit missionaustralia.com.au Southern FM's 30th anniversary is this month. Can you believe it? Celebrate our highlights. 
Visit southernfm.com.au forward slash 30. I know it was a bit of a stretch, 
Scotty to play that one, but uh, it has the word nine in it. Nineteenth nineteenth nervous breakdown. I did have to listen so, carefully. So, <laughs> so it's probably not my finest work. Uh, but uh, we are sort of getting to uh, the bottom of the barrel. I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it. There was one I could have gone with I could have gone I could have gone with this one. Uh, it's probably more appropriate for a Sunday. This is a good tune. This one's a good tune. Right, uh, Hey 19 by hey, Steely Dan. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I like Steely Dan. It's quite yeah, groovy. Yeah, no, that's a... That's anyway, a, talking about uh, music, tune. mate, uh, the gigs are back. Live gigs uh-huh. coming back. So, um, so live music's returning right. uh, to an arena for the first time in nine months. Wow. So uh, this is uh, upcoming on November 28th at uh, Sydney's Kudos Bank Arena. Um, a series of gigs featuring Sydney Rockers, Ocean Alley, uh, Jack River, Ruby Fields and Jack Potts. And then on the December 5th, Bernard Fanning, Matt Corby um, and Mercy Mercy. So um, they reckon they can get about 21,000 people, um, but they're going to go with 6,000 each just to be a bit safe. Right. And um, that's fantastic because that'll herald... You know, hopefully more and more gigs gradually uh, coming back. I was going to say, have you have you managed to um, meander your way through what might be coming up, and where would you be going first? Well, I've and still to see got, who I've still got about seven concerts that were postponed. Right, um, when I, they were due earlier this year, yes. so I don't know when they've been postponed to. Right, so I've sort of got to wait till they land, so I can then plan my. Do you, uh, gig do you, attendance around that. Do you think there's a greater chance, though, that um, uh, there would be more sort of pub-related gigs that you'll yeah, get to small, first before? Smaller venues, Smaller venue with yeah. just, you know, in there with just 80 or 100 people or something? They, they are going to have capacity challenges. Yeah, they are. And yep. wearing a mask at the corner hotel is not going to be really that much fun. There might be riots. Mm. <laughs> no, as long as they just get so through it sensibly. And... Oh, that caught my eye as it would. Yes. Um, but that could be the start of something. Yes. Um, no, that should be really I've got good. you. The other thing that caught my eye, and this is, uh, this is probably a more important one, um, mm-hmm. because um, it's to do with firefighting. Yes. And... Um, this is a great new initiative by um, Lindsay Fox. I, I read the article um, and I'm going to yeah, let, you, st- let you talk it, through it's it. It's very important, this, because... Um, it sounded good. We, my son will tell you, who's a pilot, that we don't have... We tend to, we tend to lease, um, you know, the big... Uh, what do they call them? The big helicopters and now Elvis like helicopters. The, the and, Chinooks or and whatever, the, they, and whatever the, they are. And also the fixed-wing air tankers. We lease them from the, um, the Canadians. Canadians um, from the Mounties? But the problem is... <laughs> They've, they've got them at the moment, and uh, we need them. So yep. Lynn Fox has teamed up with an American-Canadian firefighting company, Coulson Aviation, yep. to create Australia's first high-capacity fire and emergency aviation service that, importantly, can operate both day and night. Yeah, that's good. Um, so it's a proposed fleet of fixed-wing tankers, super-heavy helicopters, and fire intelligence-gathering aircraft that do a lot of scouting work. Yep. Um, it's going to be based and operated throughout the country, with maintenance and support infrastructure in New South Wales and Victoria. Good. Last week, the Bushfire Royal Commission's final report recommended the creation of a new national aerial firefighting fleet funded by state and federal governments. Um, The inquiry heard evidence that aircraft weren't shared between states and territories last year because of the intensity and length of the black summer bushfire season. Yep. 
Um, the Royal Commission's recommendation um, recommendations make it clear that coming fire seasons are going to be longer and more dangerous than ever. A national approach to firefighting is urgently needed, Dennis Richardson uh, said. Do you think possibly, just I mean, you know, just as a remote chance, that maybe 25 years ago, when we've had some of the most devastating fires we've seen, in fact, nearly 40 years ago, um, that maybe we should have had this sort of infrastructure in place for a long time already, given that every year we have bushfires that are out of control. It does beg a belief, but um, anyway. Oh, um, anyway, let's get on this year. Lindsay said, um, he said he'd been looking for a way to build a national emergency fire and disaster response for years. So I'm relieved the Royal Commission agrees that we need one. Uh, he said, I'm just a Australian trying to fix problems. Uh, and Australia's, our country's facing one of its biggest problems ever. Now it's time to come together. Blah, so blah, blah. are we going to buy them? So no, he's, uh, he's funding it. Um, and he's hoping to get uh, state and federal support for the initiative. Because then we can lease them back to other countries of during course, our winter. Of course we can. Hey? Um, so the new operation involves 12 aircraft nationwide to start with, uh, yep. initially employing 300 people. Yep. The fleet would grow to 40 aircraft over the next three to five years and have 120 Brilliant. million in assets, Brilliant. including a world-class training facility and a centre of excellence for more than 1,400 staff and volunteers. Great. Um uh, Chairman of Coulson Aviation, Wayne Coulson, said the consortium's, consortium's fleet would bring cutting-edge nighttime aerial firefighting capabilities to future fire seasons. In our experience with a technology-based approach, fighting fire at night can be just as effective as during the day. During the day, we're responding to an emergency situation. There's other aircraft around, there's panic on the ground, yep. and you're reacting, he said. At night, the advantages are higher humidity, lower temperature, and typically lower wind. You own the airspace and can control the situation much more efficiently and effectively. So that's a good article, and it's a bloody good initiative, and it's about time. A hundred percent. Let's hope the state and federal government's put some money behind initiatives like that well, so that we can save people's property and, and lives. lives. And then livestock. I mean, mm. and then, you know, we've even talked on this program, Ratsy, about the fact that, you know, the, 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 the loss of... Um, uh, native wildlife, you know, that potentially goes Flora to wipe, and fauna. wipe out species that are absolutely critical for the uh, survival of the food chain. Mm. Anyway, so that's well, that's good. good. That's good. good. Overdue, but good. Well done which... uh, to you, Mr. Lindsay Fox. Yeah. For but why does it take? Why does it have to take someone like Lindsay Fox to have to do that? I mean, oh, seriously, I mean, politicians. Uh, yeah, they can't get out of their own initiative. way. Yeah. Seriously. Hey, uh, speaking of things that uh, that um, uh, might disappear, um, there's um, there's going to be a lot of fur coats available soon. So right, <laughs> yes. Um, and let me share why. Uh, so uh, Denmark, uh, Copenhagen, uh, in Denmark in particular, has defended uh, the strict measures it has imposed on the north of the country after a mutated version of the coronavirus has uh, linked to mink farms was found in humans. Right, so Copenhagen has warned the mutation could threaten the effectiveness of any future vaccine, and has ordered the uh, departure of all of the seven, uh, all of the country's seventeen million minks. Uh, these are timely and necessary measures amid worrying development. Foreign Minister Jeppe Corford said the mutation known as Cluster Five infected twelve people 
in North Jutland and Danish authorities fear it might not be um, inhibited by antibodies to the same degree as the normal virus, which could threaten, uh, which could threaten the efficacy of vaccines. So, there's another uh, byproduct of uh, of COVID. Um, in that uh, 70 million minks are going to uh, no longer be with us. <laughs> but there'll be lots of fur coats. <laughs> anyway, That's there we not go. not very PC of you, no, Well, no, no. Well, but no, but it, um, it's, it's, that's awful for the minks. What I'm suggesting is it's another byproduct of this hideous in, 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 uh, disease and uh, thing that we've been dealing with now in this pandemic for uh, the better part of 2020. Can you believe we're saying that you know, the better part of 2020 dealing with a pandemic in the year 2020? My goodness. Um, I was reading an article through the paper, and this is apropos of our exports to China, yes. and obviously the noises they're making about, um, there's some simmering tensions, of course, and diplomatic tensions. Oh, yes, there is some simmering. Um, <laughs> but it, there was an article in the paper showing just how much we rely on them to export goods goods and, and products to. Yes. Um, so $41 billion worth of coal goes to China. So Australia, China's ch- share is 23% of everything we produce in coal they take. Wow. 18% of our thermal coal, 37% of our copper, 39% of our wine, Gee, 70% of our timber, 6% of our sugar, but 94% of our lobsters what? go to China. Outrageous! <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we're only left with prawns. So I'm telling you, if... if I mean, a lot of this is bluff and bluster, and I'm sure it's diplomacy because they certainly do need our our coal and timber and copper, etc. But um, should they develop, should they not like our lobsters anymore? There might be a few cheap lobsters going around. <laughs> well, wasn't there a whole piece a couple of months ago about the fact that because of the uh, yeah, we couldn't corona, ship them we there. couldn't ship them there? Yeah, yeah. But now they've probably just put in. They've a, caught a, up. They've doubled the order. Ninety-three percent of our lobsters. Ninety-four percent of our lobsters go to, go to Guangzhou. Wow! Yeah, no, wonder, no wonder we want to stay nice with them. <laughs> I tell you, that's. A, I mean, but go back to your other stats about coal and copper and yeah. timber and whatnot. Then um, no wonder we're in there. We're in their back pocket. And we, we don't are, want to upset I them. I mean, we know we've got to grow exports to Korea and other places, but uh, yeah, we do. for now um, we're in their pocket. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just we'll just. We won't go too hard. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, very the other, good. Only other effect that um, I was talking before about used caravans. You, you had a thing on used cars that you were talking to me I about. I did. I mean, in fact, I, I was almost going to put it away and save it for next week because I, I did want to talk about it. Because So what's happened is, um, because there's a tight supply of new cars in Australia due to the pandemic, people um, and people shunning public transport it's actually then, so again, it's the old supply and demand. It has sent the used car prices soaring to record levels. Um, is that, well, is that because new cars can't get here? Yeah, well, I, I can't be shipped well, you, here. Or? You can't, I mean, they're still selling. I mean, you can't go and buy a new car. You can't go and look at it. So you've actually got to buy it online right. and, until the, today, probably, or next week, or tomorrow yep. morning, or tonight, midnight. Yep. Um, so. But they've obviously still been trading in this second-hand market. So it says used motor vehicle prices rose by 3.8% last week after rising 4.2% in the previous week. 
I mean, that's a big jump in two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and stock is low, according to data analytics um, firm Datium Insights. Holden Commodore prices rose uh, the most, up 9.8%, followed by Toyota Hiace, up 7.8%, while passenger vehicles overall gained 6.5%. Um, Sydney man Sam Rawlings bought a second-hand Mitsubishi Triton Ute in July for thirty-five grand, compared with his uh, 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 compared with about forty-two thousand new. After his car became more expensive to fix than it was worth, I knew I wanted to purchase something uh, near me because I did the same with my previous car and it served me for nine years. So, car expert co-founder Paul Merrick said twenty-five percent. Increase in used car prices over the past year had resulted in the supply train struggling to meet demand. With fewer people buying new cars, there were also fewer trade-ins and used cars hitting the market, meaning used car prices were rising. Used car prices in September were 29.9% higher than the same month a year ago. So nearly 30% up, old son. There you go. So, uh, yeah, so Holden Commodore 9.8, the Toyota Corolla up by 25 uh, Kluger 2.2, Ford Escape 2.1. So um, right. uh, that's good. That, good to know. That little mark, second-hand market is uh, just a perfect example right. for you budding economists of supply and demand. Well done. So we've got to go. Yes, we do. And we've got upcoming. We've got the AMRAP radio program highlighting all the new sounds of Australian artists. Yes, we're now sort of free. Uh, yeah, getting we'll, there. We'll be back next week, mate. We will, mate. Thanks for listening to Two Smoking Guns. Have a good, safe week. Goodbye, Bayside.